0: Forever. Dog. Welcome to Public Intellectual. If you've listened to this podcast before, then you know it only continues thanks to the generosity of its supporters. And if you're not one of them, then please cancel your Jordan Peterson Patreon. The man has enough Soviet art, and I don't have nearly enough, and instead reroute that money... Five, ten, or eighty dollars a month for access to bonus episodes of Public Intellectual and all the other usual podcast perks. Go to patreon.com slash public intellectual. The Love Witch is the feminine version of Fight Club. I don't mean this only in the sense of it being an exploration of the extreme expressions of gender and all of the societal pressure to perform that gender. I mean it in the sense of the people who created both The Love Witch and Fight Club seem to have no fucking idea what their own creations are actually about. I was reading an interview with Chuck Palahniuk for some goddamn reason, and he said that Fight Club was about boys trying to become men in a culture that condemns masculinity. And I was thinking, motherfucker, that is not what your novel is about somehow the story got away from him and was able to express things, like about how extreme masculinity shades into fascism, about how the crumbling of patriarchy leads men into senseless violence that the creator has no idea about. Of course, we did an episode about Fight Club, the movie, not the book, because the movie is a lot better and it's David Fincher, so you should listen to that after you finish listening to this. But The Love Witch is very similar. If Fight Club understands toxic masculinity in a way that Polinic does not understand, The Love Witch understands toxic femininity in a way that the director and writer, Anna Biller, does not understand. And that's fascinating to me. This is the beginning of a series or an expansion of our already existing film series about films directed by women. And it's a shame that we're starting out with a film by a woman that I think is really bad for the world, but that is the way things go. I invited an extremely jet-lagged Margaret Howie, my friend and dear Kiwi, to join me in discussing this movie that has been under my skin since I saw it over a year ago. <laughs> The thing about The Love Witch is that I thought I understood what the movie was the first time I saw it. And then, uh, which is that I thought it was a movie about a serial killer, like a female serial killer. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought that this movie was. Um, And then I started reading um, the writings of the writer and the director. And now I have no fucking idea what this movie is. Um, Yeah. Because it seems like the her intention for the film was to be um the opposite of of how I took it and I just don't know how to wrap my head around it and so I desperately need to talk to you about this movie
1: and and it's I read the interviews with the director before seeing the movie which is partly why I didn't actually see the movie until you said watch this fucking movie because I was like you you what love And then I watched the film and enjoyed it and was, and you know, there's, there's a woman who kills a bunch of dudes. Mm -hmm. And in the end, like spoiler alert people, but the end is that she kills a dude. And I keep seeing things saying shock ending. I'm like, there's not a shock ending. (laughs) She literally, (laughs) she literally paints herself stabbing a dude and then stabs a dude after a film in which she kills dudes. So You know, (laughs) yeah, it's, it is this. So, I mean, is this just, do, do directors ruin everything? They do. Yes. And they They should not talk after, I guess, maybe after releasing. It's the mother press tour taught us nothing else.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Directors shouldn't talk.
0: So, so I guess. Okay. So my version of the movie, right, is, um, and one that I quite enjoyed, actually, watching it the first time. I wasn't sort of enraptured with it w- like a lot of people were, but, um, I did enjoy it the first time. Um, but it's a movie about, I guess, for lack of a better word or, or terminology, toxic femininity. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, you know the basic premise is there's this chick and she wants to be loved and she doesn't really care by who and so she keeps putting these spells on men and it um, creates such powerful feelings within the men that they can't handle it and then they and then they die just over and over and over again mm-hmm. and um, and I thought that was really interesting in the way of like compulsory um uh, what compulsory uh, femininity and being in, and having to be in a relationship in order to be a whole person and all this stuff like it does to you it, it dehumanizes the person that is withholding love from you and, and until until they're dead essentially um, which is a, a I think a fascinating um, topic for a film and I thought was pretty well done
1: so the only thing I disagree with that is that she does, she's really specific about who she wants to love her. A man, a big capital letters man. Yeah. yeah. And we get a lot about men and then she gets, she, but she's endlessly disappointed by these men who aren't don't, who don't perform their masculinity quite mm-hmm. to the degree that she's, um, well, if not remotely to the degree that she's expecting. Uh, and, but yeah, apart from that, that's it. And that's, that's interesting. And it's got some, you know, it's got some cool stuff. There's also, there's like the lingerie budget was really well spent. Yes. So if you like lingerie and you've like exquisitely shot food scenes, both of which I do, it's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's got, you know, the opening, I missed a word in the opening monologue. And so I had to, I really wanted to go back and the word I missed was quite telling it was abused. And so I went back and re-listened to the monologue and the monologue is shown over these shots, which are this pure sixties, Woman, very beautiful woman driving in a convertible. The thing is gloriously shot. But the dialogue is pure uh, writing for, you know, apartment therapy essay about me getting over my trauma self-care talk. Like, I've been working with my shrink. And after recovering from this last relationship, I decided to take myself somewhere where the air is clean and I can detox thoroughly from that. It's a really nice little setup. It's a nice, very witty little setup between these two ideas, both of which are performative femininity, but both one of which is a very, you know, now this almost 50 year old idea of performative femininity combined with modern performative femininity, which is all, are you eating, are you eating the right organic food? And have you detoxed your personality and your desires as well as having, you know, and you know, your intentions as well as your outside looks. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But then it turns, so then it turns out, mm. well, they okay. So there are these two sort of scenes that, um, sort of explain the movie to you in a not very subtle way. Um, and I thought it was satire, but then it turns out to maybe just be the thesis statement of, of the movie after reading <laughs> after reading the the Anna Biller uh, interviews. One is when she's like explaining to this feminist how she mistreats her man because she doesn't prioritize the man's desire. Um, and that was horrifying. And then uh, the second one is they're all at a burlesque um and watching a woman dance and, and they're talking about sort of uh the power of female sexuality and um here I wrote this down. Um the uh um this do you see that woman dancing? She's so powerful. These men would do anything for her. So it's not that she's powerful, it's that she can uh manipulate men in into exerting their power on her behalf right so and this is kind of like the weird thesis statement of the film which is like women don't have power they have to enact it through men and that this is somehow our natural state and that um without men we are in this sort of degraded state and and that's why i thought that this was a satire because um you know, who thinks like that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, he says that. And who, also, and so the film doesn't present any sort of alternative to this. Like the big alternative is the feminist who is shown as being an incredibly, I mean, she's got a job, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah, So she's a uh, feminist. (laughs) So she's a feminist. She's got a job and she wears a pantsuit, but she's in every other way, (laughs) you know, very much fits in the movie's aesthetic of this extremely performative um, femininity. She's got a English accent for some yeah for some reason. fucking reason and yeah. shows up cool, which again really ties into this very you know pastiche style of this this um, lusciously ridiculous looking film, and then and yeah, but she doesn't fuck her husband on cue, or but even worse, it's not just that she doesn't fuck her husband on cue; she doesn't want to. Yeah, and I think the film really doesn't want the idea of yeah her, the idea that she doesn't is apparently really bad to go to the burlesque scene what's interesting about that and the thesis statement of you know this inspiring burlesque like she can get the men to do anything All the men do is yell at her yeah yell at her and clap they don't even throw any damn money on the the stage there's there's not they're not even throwing money on the stage they're not even going to the champagne room they're just hooting and hollering uh it's and there's this and it's the whole speech is delivered, or the bulk of that speech is delivered by a cult leader and his misses.
0: Yeah, Mrs. the woman in his sway. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. A cult leader who is wearing a bitching caftan. <laughs> yeah. in the, of the club. Yeah. Uh, yeah, who greets women by kissing them in the stomach as well? Oh like, God! Uh, on the uterus, like. Uh, the uterus. Uh, right, the uterus.
0: Yeah.
1: right there on the ute. <laughs> <laughs> No. but it's a very you, you think that guy's gonna die that guy doesn't die I know why doesn't he die he doesn't die I think to show that the he doesn't die to show that the Elaine who's the titular love witch has uh, some sort of plan in mind for who deserves to die because she gives this guy some sketchy side eye but that's it <laughs> yeah if you to start, start the killing. start with the dude in the caftan talking about female power that's and the in that in
0: within the burlesque speech, um, which is given weirdly in with direct almost direct eye contact with the camera, right? So th- these these statements are being delivered straight into the camera, into the audience. About this is what femininity is. This is what masculinity is. And this is how women can gain power and all this kind of stuff. Um, but with, within that speech, there's this weird thing about, uh, about witchcraft and the reason why witches were burned is because of the fear of female sexuality. Um, and the, the sort of, you know, the, it, the, the witches that were burned were, were teenage girls coming into their, you know, sexuality and the men feared the feelings that that aroused. And so they had to kill them. I was like, that's not who was killed in the <laughs> purges. Um, let's, but it's such a like a, um, I don't know if, if it's like a freshman, um, gender studies class, student, Point of view, or just like a really sort of lazy version of feminism, of uh, that idea that the that the witchcraft or the witch uh, hunt happened because uh, men were scared of of, of women's power.
1: Um, yeah, all those hot is- nymphs who were bouncing about were getting had to be burned. It's a very you know the the first figure who is evoked by this film is Lana Del Rey. And in the same way, I was, because I was watching it and thinking about particularly Lando Ray's brief hippie phase, which is delightful because it's like, it's the, you know, it's the squeaky clean sitcom version of what a hippie is. And this is also kind of a sitting in your bedroom, playing around with, you know, building a pentagram out of pick sticks idea of witchcraft which is super fun when you're 15 and you just moved out of your buddhist phase but haven't quite discovered anime yet <laughs> it's this very like i just got a crystal down at the mall there's also the film's got this wonderful um set piece revolving at the suburban witchcraft emporium which every small town has yes except in this case, it's, you know, run by this sort of, like, 21-year-old Instagram-looking girl as opposed to who actually runs those things, which is someone with, like, big, like, chin whiskers yeah. who hasn't bathed in a while. Who's and is not wearing a bra. D- no. No bras have been... God bad. bless those women. Yeah. Yeah. They have been keeping us going. Yeah. Yeah. They've been, you know, they've been dispensing abortions and ways to discreetly kill your husband for decades. And... Yeah, so that and that's the stuff. And I kind of thought that the film was taking the piss out of that kind of quasi-not-wicker pretend feminism, and was even anticipating the kind of rise of this sort of quasi-occult as you know current cult thing. Like you've got your succulents, and you've got your kombucha, and you've got your tarot deck stuff. But no, I think it's I think I think it was with from the meta-text, i.e. these endlessly batched interviews we're meant to be taking this straight (laughs) i
0: know and uh, it works so well as satire of the sort of instagram witchcraft of the Uh oh here here it just how so happens this is the tarot spread that i that i did with the and i just i just have this crystal here and this candle and my cat just happened to be walking across the you know the cars. and uh those bitches don't know anything about witchcraft or uh tarot or astrology other than they just blame yeah. every all their bad behavior on what their moon sign is. <laughs>
1: like that's it. <laughs> and and they don't know about why the woman were being burned, which yeah. is is a really which is a really key piece to this whole thing and it does yeah. You know, and there is this, there's this great line in which um, our love witch refers to missing a cat who died, and you realize the whole thing would just be like this. There'd be no singing that. She just went and said, "I've got to get up a nice cat." Yeah, get another one. Yeah, you know, yeah. We just just get a cat.
0: um Can I confess that I hate Lana Del Rey? Like, I really, I can't, I can't with, I can't with her. I can't. It makes oh, me. Oh no, I love so that coked up bitch.
1: I love her. I love her, but yeah, I, yeah, can't. I get it. It's, I can't. It's. It's just standing, it's it's standing in front of the one full-length mirror in your house with your first attempt at eyeliner <laughs> and a nighty, and you're wrapping into a hairbrush. And I find that, like, oh, I find that kind of awkwardness, you know, really endearing, but um, it's, yeah, <laughs> what the hell's going on? I don't know, but I don't know if I'd make a feature film based on that aesthetic, because there have been enough feature films based on that aesthetic, so... Yeah, I mean,
0: the the sort of, like, Lana Del Del Rey uh, um, love witch aesthetic of the, as a woman, it is my role to be brutalized by men, and I have to find some sort of pleasure in that,
1: right? Mm -hmm. So, it's... uh, Not just pleasure, you have to find empowerment in it.
0: Yes, so it's the daddy stuff, it's the... um, it's the uh you know, the her lying on the pentagram moaning love me, love me over and over again. It's um Yeah, I I Okay, so we should we should talk about why this is not actually a satire, um, and some of the interviews that Anna Biller gave, um, which were just sort of um uh the first thing that I read by her that made me think that this was a totally different movie than what I as had assumed was this essay that she wrote um on her uh on her blog about horror films and about how um the pretty feminine girl is the one who is always killed because everyone and everyone cheers for that woman to be killed in the horror movie because people hate feminine. Women, um, and, and that it's always the butch, masculine, androgynous, uh, girl who survives because that's what feminism wants to turn all women into. So,
1: thought this is also <laughs> probably the fault of James Joyce. Can I just add? Yeah, which is the whole essay is part of the reason I do miss people writing 2,000 word long blog yes. posts. Yes, because yes, yes. oh man, the internet used to be so so much more interesting. It's, yeah, it's crazy. Also, why are we talking about slasher films in now? I, I don't, you know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. So she wrote But this- hey,
1: yeah, so I we're, we really enjoy watching pretty women being killed because we all hate pretty women, particularly women. Yeah. <laughs> because that's how we protest, or that's how we experience our release of seeing the, I'm going to attempt to quote, uh, the whorish man-pleasing, man-pleasing body being destroyed. Mm -hmm. yeah
0: yeah 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 so um but yeah that was the first time because within that essay she writes about how the male gaze is um is just a fact that we all have to deal with that it is not sort of socialized and it's not part it's not developed as part of the culture it's a it's a um It's an actual, I guess, physical reality of men is that they uh, want to uh, objectify and subjugate women naturally and that only by sort of playing into this can women find their true power. Um, Which is why I find the feminist character really disturbing because it's not just that this is a feminist character and and she's sort of, you know, like sort of lightly made fun of or whatever, but she's, you know, she the, the Elaine... Actively pursues this woman's husband and succeeds in seducing him because, of course, the feminist could not actually be loved, right? She can't be truly loved by a man on her merits. Um, she can't be, he can't be sort of bonded to her. It has to be, um, uh, that there's, that that relationship was vulnerable because she's not playing into that part of things which i just find the most
1: depressing worldview in the in the whole world she's not even that she's not playing into it she doesn't want to play into it she wants to believe something else she wants to believe that her husband loves her for her is what she says and uh elaine like picks up on that and is like oh are you kidding me and then the man richard is so extraordinarily passive yeah just, just sits there and eats this cake that Elaine's made for her. Like, dude, dude, a witch shows up to your house with a cake. Don't eat that cake. Like, come on. Come on, man. You're a woman <laughs> at a Texan furniture convention. <laughs> Put the cake fork down. It's, it's, it's. I mean, this is something that I, and the the Annabella interviews, I mean, everyone I read just gets, they just get her better and better. better. But there's always this assumption, and this is something that admittedly grinds my gears just in general when talking about, porn which is that the male gaze and male desire is this monolith it's this one thing it's it likes this and we don't even question what it likes whereas literally anything to do with female sexuality gets dissected six ways to sunday and it's always a but but why but why do women like this why are women watching this hmm the the women they appear to like The Timothy Chalamet movie. But why? But why? (laughs) Are they trying to mother him? What's going on? You know, what are the women doing? Whereas men are up there with their MILFs and their furries. And they're like, we're having sex with two lesbian teachers on a boat or something. And no one seems to, and we don't even question it. We're just like, "Mm, men. Well, you know, they just like like what dudes like. You know, Hugh Hefner was putting women in bunny suits for 60 years. And no one ever seemed to stop and say, guy the rabbits what (laughs) why are there cartoon satin ears on all these ladies why uh you know it's it's very so it's this very much men like what the men like and every man likes what the men like and we just assume that and should a man want something different which happens in this movie men want things differently they get punished and it's such a, exist. or simply just do not exist. Yeah, don't
0: exist. Yeah. And it's such a weird and disturbing trope in not just this particular movie, but in, in so many movies and television of like the, the man who, who is blinded by desire, who can't see the manipulation, who can't possibly resist, um, and are overtaken by the seductress, the femme fatale, and, and so on and so forth. But it, it's done in like, the, in a very, um sincere and also i guess just kind of lazy way of like oh of course men are like this like you know yeah. they have di- they have uh brains in their dicks and that and that's it and uh yeah it, it and you know she wrote about that a little bit in in uh this very long essay (laughs) which is just like all of her gender politics uh uh, in one big thing which seems heavily influenced by camille paglia um and it's all just like that men are stupid Mm -hmm. um and women are smarter and better than men and but but then why do we need them like if that's her theory If that's her theory that that women are better than men, then why do we have to manipulate them and be in in relationships with them and and all this other? I don't I don't get it. I don't see how that follows.
1: This is also the essay in which uh, Proust shows up entirely heterosexual. Yes. Yes. <laughs> God, yeah. Fam- famous hit Famous yeah. head. Super into the ladies. Shows up. <laughs> And, I mean, he's, but he's a, he's a, he was a masochist, right? Because he was a masochist. And then James Joyce turned us on to mm-hmm. Yeah. If I follow, I may need to put, some, put some cue cards up or something. I know. And uh, yeah. And also, I mean, James Joyce with his completely standard view of females <laughs> and completely totally regular desire, super regular standard desire. Yeah. It's, it's a very there's a, there's a line I can't remember if it's in the essay no I think it's one of the interviews where she sort of says it's a you know to paraphrase that it's a pity that men might look at her film and be look at the Love Witch which has got quite a lot of female nudity and a lot of male nudity and but you know look at the female nudes and be aroused in this very like oh God if only we could just stop people having the wrong kind of dirty thoughts and it's. That that line, which is very much from that pegalia esque level of like, there, there was a lot of there was a lot of that in that early nineties kind of feminism. We'd moved on from banning porn to simply saying, well, porn's there, but how dare you be aroused by the wrong kind? And yeah, it's so everyone's straight, and we're all um, either stuck with trying to get men to do something for us. Or watching another woman come along and take our man, while we dress up as her and then report it to the police. I don't know, because we haven't managed to physically fight her off because we're weak ladies. Because I and I say this because there's a scene in the film in which um, the feminist goes around to Elaine's house, which is this kind of gloriously Charles Adam meets the Adams meets the mod Squad kind of apartment thing, and then dresses up in her lingerie and her wig and her makeup and then discovers, uh, puts two and two together and realizes <laughs> that, oh, the woman my husband was fucking was oh, <laughs> my friend Elaine. And then when Elaine comes, they have this really pathetic cat fight, but she can't actually beat Elaine. She can't physically overpower her, so she sort of has to retreat. And the physical overpowering of Elaine has to then happen through men, through the police force, and through a mob of guys at the burlesque bar. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I. Right. If I if she just got a cat, this yeah. thing would really. seriously. put
0: it put it into the string of murders. Right. Mm. Right in the thing. Um, right. Yeah, and. Right, because she kills men by making them feel too much. But in this version of love, love doesn't actually exist, right? If it can always just be seduced away, um, then you're in this constant battle for attention. You're in this constant battle for seduction. Um, And then that's, I guess, how you just spend all of your time now, like is just trying first to win the partner um and uh which none of these guys you know like they're gross they're why are the men
1: so gross in this movie <laughs> um the, 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 film, the dudes are all so gross and there's an english professor who kicks off and <laughs> then after sex he like cries and talks about his disappointments and it's meant to be a surprise. Whereas like, have you ever met an English professor? Yeah, this is just what they do. Yeah, this is, that's, that's what you signed up for, honey. And she's like, Oh, this guy's such a pussy. What with his feelings? He's got far too many of them. And it's just uh, these, these dudes are all, you know, passive and gross and really all off, off, off. Just they're a little bit like the yogurt which expired three days ago but you didn't quite tell and then you're like oh wait that's why my fridge smells so funky it's i so there isn't really any dude here who's remotely aspirational to fuck the aspiration is of course love it's this and it's i sort of thought it was an addiction narrative and it's a it's about chasing that high that infatuated high all over again and I was thinking that there's been a little mini wave of memoirs to do with female, it did, like memoirs and narratives about female drinking. Recently, there was Sarah Harper's Blackout and there was the movie Smashed. And I was like, getting quite interested in this idea that we're going to start talking about woman addiction, particularly women in areas which have kind of tend to be colonized, certainly in popular thought by men. You know, we don't think about women drinking. Um, it was, just, And now woman drinking is still often coded as empowerment. So when we've got women drinking and it turns into something that's, you know, destructive, it becomes something that's kind of a taboo in a way to even admit it because you're somehow laying down the sisterhood by being destroyed by this thing that we've reclaimed. Uh, which kind of comes back to this this thing about the ability is one of her articles about how we've just replaced, all feminism wants to do is replace the woman um, as victim with the woman with a bigger gun than the men. Okay, sure. I don't know, but I to to curl back to my addiction line, which I was going with somewhere, essentially is that it's it's chasing this it's kind of the equivalent of that English professor who we find out in the movie goes from woman to woman to woman, but none of them satisfy him because they're either if they're smart, they're ugly, and if they're pretty, they're not smart. And that's almost exactly what Elaine, the Love Witch, is going through. You know, every every dude that she thinks is the right dude is got the feelings, and you know, but she's only interested in the guys with the feelings, I guess. Which well, she's only interested in people which can manipulate, which appear to be total morons. So, you know, that's what. But you that's get.
0: also that's also the weirdness of the film is that so she wants them to fall in love with her, but she's disgusted by their love, right? I mean, she yeah, has this yeah. real visceral. Discussed with their feelings and with their vulnerability and their, and their, you know, the feminine soft side of them. Yeah. Until they, until they die. Um, and, uh, so it's, you know, again, this is, would be interesting as, as satire, but, um, reading it, or listening to an interview with her, you know, she's talking about this sort of like, bizarre renaissance festival uh, thing in the middle of it but uh uh where they have this sort of like marriage ceremony and the, and they there's you know a rope is wrapped around their conjoined hands to binding. represent binding. yeah the binding yeah. um and and she says you know but in this scene only one of them is in love it's like neither one of these people are in love neither one of these people are actually in love as she just sees these people as as Dehumanized um, opportunities as status symbols, as as they're just a dick in her bed. It has nothing to do with, uh, it has nothing to do with love. Which is what I just don't, I absolutely don't understand the film that she thought she was making, and I find it infuriating.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it will it's what this, this definition of love, and if it comes down to, you know dorky 70s ass fair look-alikes and ugly rings and, you know, marrying off to random dudes. And the the first husband who's introduced in the film, Jerry, so it's Jerry and Elaine, that, I mean, I assume that had to be intentional, but I, I'm i not going to go down that line. Uh, but Jerry, who we find out is an abuser in the film and who she, she offed as well, he was like the first guy she killed. But she's also completely idealized. He's got, you know, he's the guy she keeps going back to um, in her mind. And so it's this—it's almost chasing this euphoria, chasing this perfect vision of love, which is fairy tale based. It's all very, yeah, a really certain type of fairy tale as well. It's yeah. a white knight. It's a white knight and some horses and, you know, lutes.
0: And it's presented as the feminine fantasy, Mm. as if this is what we all sort of dream about and fantasize about. And, and, you know, and again, this isn't just sort of me making a conjecture. This is what uh, Anna Biller has said um, in these interviews, which is that this is what girls and women fantasize about and dream about. And I don't – I guess this is the part of, like, when – women I guess like in the in the sort of like Fifty Shades kind of way when people were writing about Fifty Shades as being the sort of ultimate female fantasy it's like no it's it's like it's your fantasy maybe yeah. but it, don't try to universalize this shit in order yeah. to make it like some sort of to make it understandable or ju- to justify it psychologically like this is maybe just your shit and that's what bothers me about this movie Is like Anybody trying to speak for a universal feminine fantasy or reality it's like, no, it's just you lady. Really so should, you the, should like, beauty, deal with it on your level.
1: The beauty of, you know, humankind is that we all have these incredibly weird, perverse, dark, and often extremely nasty fantasies, which are all ours. And which are, as soon as you are vulnerable enough to expose them to another person, they're probably going to run a mile because ew, you're gross. We're all really gross. We're all really gross in really specific ways. And that's the, it's the Hugh Hefner thing of putting women in bunny suits and being like, Hey guys, doesn't everyone love a bunny suit on a lady? Everyone wants to fuck a bunny. Yeah. Yeah. They, they yeah. Just look at bunnies and think, Ooh, can't wait to get my dick in one of them. It's, it's just this very odd thing. So yeah, the idea that, um, you want a dude in a breech cloth and you know, little, little knickers, little white knickers and a silly hat. with a bobble. Literally thing. my nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> bobble hats running after us this film should come with a like a warning for anyone who had a traumatic experience at little affair because it's (laughs) exceedingly there's yeah i just i keep going back to every handkerchief hem skirt i ever wore and yeah yeah. as and as i was telling you i was forced
0: to go to renaissance fairs as a child because my dad was into it and uh, I am deeply, deeply scarred by those experiences and uh, the men, the men were th- that were there. Um, as
1: yeah. as bad as the Coachella lookers with like the you know wearing headdresses and war bonnets, at least they've not done. That. At least, at least we've still managed to stay away from that stuff so far. I'm sure another generation's going to cough it all up. But
0: yeah, but it, yeah. According to to sort of like. Uh, you know now that <laughs> according to to women directors mm. Mm. um of the last couple of years the female fantasy is either getting getting uh beaten mm. um and and spanked and tied up and and turned into you know like a piece of meat on a mattress or to walk through a field of flowers in a flowy white dress and then there's a lute and people like um performing shakespearean uh nightmare scenarios in a field um with uh with a man who's riding a fucking horse. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> and this is And, and the most we can what hope, hope for in your second scenario is that this dude doesn't beat you and rape you. That's that's the big thing. This dude he's managed neither hit nor rape you, so that's your cat.
0: Or nor does he love you and nor for at least not for you is mm-hmm. because you've manipulated him, him into this relationship. Um And that's it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the female experience. Whoa. In 2018. Yeah. So glad. <laughs> <laughs> wicked. Wicked. God,
1: you know? Yeah.
0: yeah it's- and, but it fits in so, so with so much of, uh, of sort of women's culture, um, uh the sort of mama gina you know like goopy um you know sacred feminine the reclamation of of the sacred feminine which is you know the question i always have when we talk about the sacred feminine is why why are we only dealing with the super sexy goddesses where (laughs) where if i have like an inner goddess she's probably
1: one of the fucking hags like yeah, that's the where, where are they at like where's yeah. the where's the appreciation of warts that we so desperately need it's yeah it, i mean you know the reclamation of the sacred feminine is much more like the recommercialization of the sacred feminine there is an interesting little sideline in this film uh which has some really interesting stuff about the dem- sort of female domestic power because all her powers are all sort of from the kitchen and from the sewing and from the art. It's all very much the the world of the domestic is where the power lies. But there's an interesting little line about making kind of – she's got this sort of – you know, she doesn't have an Etsy shop, but she just has an Etsy shop. Yeah. And that's how she makes the, makes the money to pay a rent in her, you know, incredible Charles Adams meets, like – French yay, yay madmen apartment and all the paintings, the ugly paintings of naked people in it. In the uh, hook rug. Where do I, I want one of those naked people like embracing 70s joyous sex candles. I don't know how you get those. But. <laughs> They're definitely on Etsy. <laughs> <And> Etsy. <laughs> seen she, them. Makes, she makes like little naked lady dolls and soaps and love potions and all that shit. And I kept thinking about how there's a mix in multi-level marketing and pyramid schemes One of the huge areas is essential oils and various other herbally doodads that you can do instead of like using, you know, vaccines or, you know, big pharma, this kind of be natural, don't have chemicals vibe of it all. Um, But so, but it's, all it is, is it's just as toxic and just as shitty and is being sold to you by people who are just as awful. So... You know, the people telling you to put the jade egg up your vagina are not interested in your well-being. But,
0: yeah. No, they're trying to sell you a $75 jade egg. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so... um... Yeah, I wrote this whole piece on um, on the Goop cultures. So I'm I'm trying desperately not to just go into a thirty minute digression on on the sort of uh, psychotic health culture in which we all live at the moment, and wellness, and, uh, and and how that relates back to relationships because it's definitely like the sort of like, are you in a healthy
1: relationship? It's mm-hmm. like fuck you. Like you know, it goes back to business. it's not it's not you. It's not about even walking the walk. It's about having the right intentions. It's about having. You know what lies in your heart of hearts, and if that's not right, then nothing else is. You know, and there's almost a, there's very much, there's it's kind of a the secret like there's a there's a line in it where she says, "All witchcraft is," or you know, paraphrase. It's about using my will. It's not about it's the magic isn't using my will. It's I put out what I want out in the universe, and it all comes back to me. So she thinks the right things, you feel the right things, you have the right herbs in your pantry, you've got the right kind of jade egg up your vagina. But also in your heart of hearts, you've got that deeply right. And then everything in the universe will flow into you, including the best kind of dick. But if it doesn't, and you're warty and fat and unsexy and unloved and in debt because you spent all your money on jade vagina eggs, it's because it's what was in your heart was wrong and you were jerking off the wrong kind of stuff. Like,
0: yeah. Yeah. It's. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um,. Yeah, which is, you know, um, this movie reminded me a lot of um, Basic Instinct. Ah! Um, Because uh, in the sense that, um, you know, how how all the women in Basic Instinct are murderers um, because of, like, compulsory domesticity. Like, one day they just snap and murder all the men in their family. Um, And, you know, that sort of – I just – I just wanted Anna Biller to to realize what she was making and doing um, because, well, all, and also the setting. You know, they're both in sort of the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. The outfits are all
1: very good. Um, there's yeah, a lot yeah, of nudity. Basically, basically so many tits. White except for one person who shows up to be not white. <laughs> and the
0: creepy cop.
1: Creepy cop. Yeah,
0: yeah. that's a love interest for no reason. Yeah, exactly um the, it is essentially the same movie except for basic instinct is the good one yes
1: love you know and in in basic instinct the the only good the good girl bad girl dichotomy is like how late do you wait to kill someone you know did you did you wait to you, you did you only kill someone when you were pushed or did you kill someone immediately That's pretty much it's just <laughs> about your willpower. you it's, it's, it's i was actually thinking about the early 90s erotic thriller which is a sub drama which has sadly disappeared they don't make anymore but that was the last time we were getting a lot of um kind of serial killer narratives were showing up and we don't really those film those stories have sort of migrated to tv but there's yeah. invariably there's just a like naked dead 14 year old girl who right like she doesn't even get to get laid it's just like we just see yeah. her in a dumpster She's right? in a dumpster and, and there's a bunch of very concerned men worried about her and then one one woman who is you know the the one one smart lady who shows up and does all the work. But yeah, we don't really have those those fun movies anymore. Um, and those feel, because when you go through the Biller interview, she's constantly referring to the golden age of Hollywood, when it was all great, it was all female-led stories, and Barbara Stanwyck was there being amazing, which is uh, a bonkers, because you just have to watch a few of those films. Yes, there were some great films, and all the screwball comedies, etc. There were also some sexist-ass films. <laughs> there were some ridiculously sexist, nasty, terrible movies. But if we're going to go with the, you know, the studio system making kind of mildly cerebral, you know, female-led films, well, that kind of early 90s area, we had some of that. We had a bit of that. Um,
0: Plus I think that that sort of, um, that movie, those kinds of movies spoke to an actual sort of lived, Mm. Tension in women's lives, which mm. is, is this person that I'm fucking going to fucking murder me, right? Yeah. Um, and kind of the weird allure of that, and you know, the danger of that. And, mm. and then the Madonna shows up in a really interesting outfit, and for, you know, um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm totally pro all of those movies because I think it at least sort of, um, uh, they understood for the most part what they were doing and what they were saying. Um, and the, the love witch is, yeah, it's just so, yeah. 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 So I, w- I wanted to talk. Well, we don't have, I'm just going to say this out loud that apparently I woke up in the middle of the night and wrote down in my notebook, the love witch is an incel. And then I fell back asleep. And I have <laughs> no context for why I wrote this down or what I meant by that, but it was a 3 a.m. I vaguely remember doing it, but I don't remember why. So I 3am just...
1: thoughts <laughs> yeah. undoubtedly getting to the heart of everything. So yeah, the, the love which is an instill. I feel we can riff on this. The, <laughs> it's... If you spend too much time on the internet, you do inevitably, and nothing but the internet, you probably do end up seeing everything and in incredibly... All gender roles in incredibly hostile and extreme terms. Okay. Check. That counts. And... If you build yourself a echo chamber of media that concurs with this, then yeah, you you can't you see reinforcements for your argument literally everywhere. Check. We've got that. Alright. Yeah. Um whew. You know, it's been a while since I last even hit an incel uh group, so I'm trying to really dig it up from the rest <laughs> of my memory. Can't I think I was asked in Live Journal when I was last wanted into an incel group, so um, damn. Oh, wait, I know. You kill everyone that you don't agree yeah. with. There we go. Bam. Third point. Yeah.
0: But also, I think, you know, I think one of the sort of arguments, well, you know, whatever, because it, some incels killed some people. Now we have like the worst incel think pieces and everyone is just writing the same think piece over and over again. But the the sort of primary argument made in those pieces is that men don't really want love. They want women as objects and status symbols. I was like, yeah, so do sort of fucking women and so does a yeah. love witch. Like she yeah. doesn't care about these men. Exactly. She only yeah, and she'll kill them if they don't sort of provide to her what what she wants. Um so I guess maybe that's what I was thinking love there witch we
1: we yeah we are, we are it. <laughs> I mean, you know, as as I told you earlier, I got up at three m and ate shampoo out of my, <laughs> <laughs> thinking it was marmalade. So you know, one of us one of us was firing a more cylinders than the other. Um, I wrote, I wrote the word nature down, and then put a cross symbol through it. That was my big deep insight here. It's again, it's a really sophomore view of nature. It's nature is nurturing, loving, special, okay. intuitive and healing um more bunnies more bunnies there's a fawn even yeah, yeah which is Horses. the lana, lana del rey of woodland animals and it's and an english professor loves to go to nature because he can't you know just has to get out oh, of that, that city
0: that whole conversation about do you love nature and do you love animals i just wanted everybody to die <laughs> everyone to <laughs> <should>
1: die <laughs> yes and yeah just don't fuck that guy. Don't fuck the guy who needs to leave the city and go into it. Into nature. Into nature, which is like this huge house. What does it even mean? House. I go into nature. He drives his car to this huge, beautifully appointed house, which, you know, my mouth watered a little because if I could live in a house like that literally anywhere, <laughs> I'd be happy. It's this beautiful appointed house where a woman fixes a meal. I mean, it's about as natural as thing I – Owned, but that, that organic shampoo that I ate at three o'clock this morning, because so I was so jet-lagged, I thought it was marmalade. That's how natural this shit is. And yeah, it's this this view of nature and animals, which are cuddly and soft and rewarding, and completely alien to to you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's you know sitting in your bedroom, looking out and going, God, that tree really resonates with me,
0: and it really feels it really is sort of echoing back my feelings to me. And
1: yeah, yeah. this weed yeah. is really good. I'm really. <laughs> really into that tree. Yeah. So that was, I just had, had nature. And then I also had the word sitcom somewhere. <laughs> written. No.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the, you know, um, the, so she had another film before this, uh, maybe two, but I, the, the one that I tried to watch was Viva, mm. um, which, uh, is about like a suburban housewife during the sexual revolution. But, um, it's even more sort of hyper stylized in a i think she was going for like a john waters kind of thing but it was it just felt really grating and chaotic to me uh or really uneven and so i i had to stop watching it but um i thought that was more sort of coherent um in its thinking from what i watched of it of that the sexual revolution was sort of um proposed as liberating both men and women, but it really just sort of liberated men um, and women became sort of victimized by the sexual revolution, Um, which I do kind of agree with. I do think that the kind of uh, sex positivity
1: is a, uh, is a, is a fucking scam. Um, Yeah. It's a trap. Yeah. There's, there's a, you know, it's, I mean, that feels like a fairly safe thesis to land on 50 years after the fact or so. Is it that the love witch is trying to process contemporary female sexuality and finding it so lacking that we have, we end up in this the spot with these kind of two films inside each other. One is the film that I guess I guess the, the film that I look at with my, I guess, dirty, degraded mind <laughs> and look at the, you know, the shitted English professor and Cop and and such, and look at all her makeup and laundry, and be like, Woof. <laughs> "Like you know, <laughs> this, is, this is hilarious." But come on, and the film that apparently we're meant to watch that I should be watching with my um my more purified, more feminine um, and sacred hat on. I feel that that sacred hat on has got a bobble at the end, maybe a few bells, uh, which is where I go. Wow, this is speaking to my my desire, which is to Wear a white foofy dress. I can't wear a white foofy dress. I'd drive a kebab on it almost instantly. Um, and that's part be of like her- her- you no chance you, because I would just be covering the kebabs.
0: <laughs> this is like part of her whole feminine gaze thing, right? Like so, so this theory that that she's or this idea that she's putting forward of she's trying to create a movie for the feminine gaze rather than the male gaze. But but then why is the movie populated solely with young, beautiful women. Like, is that, is that what
1: women want to look at as well? Well, she gets Um, gets into that and she says part of the film is about the struggle of being a beautiful woman in a world which objectifies and wants to destroy beautiful women. Oh, calm the fuck on. Okay, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) As as noted, there's a really, so there's a narrow, so there are no women in this film that um, aren't fuckable right this is you know they're all truly retort. they I mean I would you know like if, if I have to burn a few candles do some chanting to get like tits like that bring it on because it's extraordinary but it, it seems more like the tits come first than chanting comes second so hey ho but the, the guys there's an almost um there's almost gleeful like amount of shots of old or you know hairy like dudes that are quite like like you know, these fairly gnarly Renfed dudes showing up often naked and they're just there. So we get a kinda of, we get a relatively wide view of men. And then but women there's literally one kind.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so so in the in the Slasher essay, mm. um she talks about uh, you know, the women the woman who's grown up pretty hounded judged and criticized which which reminded me of that fucking uh beyonce video for pretty hurts um which come on um (laughs) just just the the fucking gall of (laughs) of somebody writing a song called pretty hurts Mm. that i can't i can't go with um with any of that. And, but so, you know, I understand wanting to explore different sort of versions of beauty and, and explore femininity and, and how it's expressed in our culture, et cetera, et cetera. But if you're doing a movie about the feminine gaze, why it seems critically important to me to expand the notion of what beautiful is into something beyond what men have decided beautiful is, right? And so, um, you know, to me, the feminine gaze is, is much more radical in a film like Magic Mike XXL than, than in The Love Witch. Um, because there you get, um, fat girls getting grinded on and it's treated not just as like, you know, uh, not laughable, but as, as, um, you know, I cried watching that movie the first time in the theater.
1: Look, Channing Tatum is the true love witch. That <laughs> yeah. acknowledged. There's there's a there's a hint, there's this hint in the film. There's a couple of th- almost throwaway lines. See, there's not really such a thing as a throwaway line in this movie about Elaine being fat once and yeah. no longer being fat, which I and, and it sort of seems to be tied in with her abusive ex-husband telling her to lose weight, and she resents that. Being abused by him, but she also dresses up. We get there's a lot of there's many sort of shots of the makeup and the hair, and and it's all great. Like I mean, who isn't here for a makeover montage? But it's 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 treated as a de facto um, aspect of her, and not something that she can challenge. So as this film is taking the pretty girl who dies in the slasher film, and then making a movie where she gets to kill people, but in her own way, um, what are we? Haven't we just I mean, we've just remade the slasher film. We've not actually challenged the views of femininity. We've just taken, you know, the girl who died in Dario Argento's Suspiria and given her a movie in which the same thing happens. It's, yeah, I mean, this is just... As well. She's just Norman Bates or whatever. Yeah, she's just, you know, Norman Bates. Who was a very pretty... He, like, Tony Perkins He's was a very pretty man. Very pretty man. So, also, like, the film, the slasher essay completely erases a small but notable subsection of slasher films which is the cross dressing which is a term I'm using because that's the term they use in the movies the cross dressing serial killer so the sort of trans serial killer um, slasher film is is a big thing. In fact that was pretty much the only trans male visibility in movies for like a good 70 years. You know? A little there's a little one called Science of the Lambs that you might have heard of. It's that existed, but in her essay, she talks at length about slasher films and how they're all about destroying the feminine, and about how, because of Clark Gable becoming more popular than Rudolph Valentino, macho men took over and colonized the entire view of masculinity, assisted by famous macho man James Joyce. It's yeah, super. Yeah.
0: He was so but yeah
1: god talk about yeah tra-
0: <laughs> that i guess if you yeah. see everything in in the world through gender essentialist you know maybe she really likes jordan peterson we don't know hey we i just, mean
1: we just don't know you know maybe that's it's she's just trying to get that dragon fire like <laughs> that's, that's just one female follower <laughs> it's but yeah and look now i think about it dragon fire is very Renfair. it's Oh, yeah, no, she would yeah.
0: be into it. We should really? tell her about him if she doesn't know.
1: About I it. know, I know, and you know what? I, know. I bet that I bet I bet John Peterson has been doing some juggling, like <laughs> that if he, he would has- ride on a horse. He kind he of like... He would like, joust. He would he would joust the shit out of something.
0: He kind of looks like one of the guys in the Love Witch that she falls in love with. Like not handsome, kind of like gnarly. His dick probably looks weird, too. So, Especially
1: cries after sex.
0: Yeah, definitely. So almost certainly
1: these two people have to get together. Yes. And oh, make a, make a, I was going to say make a Science of the Lands remake. No, it's spare us all. Um, <laughs> just, yeah, just yeah, stay away from Magic Mike, guys, whatever you do. Well maybe they maybe they could watch it and maybe they would watch Magic My XXL and hold each other and weep and have a lot of feelings and then the next thing we know we get like a mere culpa on YouTube. Maybe that's the answer. Yeah. Oh. Or at least it was I'll simple. i Yeah. I'll do a spell to make it happen. Oh, please do. Yeah. That's No. That's Uh, can we talk about the fantastic tampon joke?
0: Um, which one? Um, can I just say like, that was one of my favorite things about the movie was that there was a used tampon on screen.
1: Brilliant. The used tampon was terrific. And they kept showing up again and again. Yeah. kept like just flinging it around. You kept throwing it around. And every time he showed the jar with the used tampon, it, the water level will have changed because of the I know. tampon, which was like kudos to the set designer. Whoever did that prop really knocked it the hell out of the park.
0: And and the water, the color of the urine and uh, blood mixture kept changing
1: for some reason. It was great. It was I mean, maybe wonderful. they just used one. They shot the whole thing in sequence because by about day seventeen, yeah, that was what it would look like. Yeah, you know,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, so which one? Which was the the good joke about the tampon?
1: Oh, the well, I don't now. I don't know if it was a joke at the time. I thought it was a joke, but I you know it might not be a joke. Which is that she said most she was most men don't even know to use tampon looks like they would have never seen one. And then there's this cop who sh- discovers a used tampon and turns to the other cop and goes, what is this? <laughs> Which I I thought was hilarious. And then, yeah. but maybe it's just meant to be, you know, gritty realism. I love it. Yeah,
0: no, that, that, and the, but the, that in the line of, um, as she's burying, uh, the man that she just murdered, and she says, "I've been so depressed since my cat died." I thought that was a brilliant line. I thought that was hilarious. I
1: thought that was terrific. And the little speech that she made—I think I even tried to write it down—which was something about that she doesn't mind death. Um, I bury, I bury, I buried lots of people, which again take me to that kind of like confessional essay line. <laughs> it's so Her much almost. Catalog. It's so much almost a line out of Thought Catalog or you know a Jane like was it? it's not Jane anymore, is it? God Christ, what was that terrible fucking website? Oh, Exo Jane. Exo Jane, thank you. It's an Exo Jane line of like you know what I realized when I buried my fourth boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's some, there was something so sort of charmingly off the cuff about it that I I really liked it, but I yeah. I still would argue that as
0: the movie that it is in my head, which is just like a whip-smart satire of uh, performative femininity in 2018 from the confessional personal essay to the uh, makeup YouTube tutorials to uh, the Instagram witchcraft and, and on and on, is it's a brilliant movie as that and it can be all of this other stuff can absolutely just be discarded and disregarded and you can just watch it as that and and find pure pleasure in it but just don't read any interviews with Anna Biller (laughs) if you want to do that I just think that that's that's the key is you just can't you can't take into consideration
1: her intention for this film i mean i yeah you totally can't i would recommend reading interviews with annabella because they are a riot <laughs> <laughs> it just we haven't even got onto her accusing her crew her entire crew of oh of, sabotaging. Of, uh, trying to ruin the film because they disagreed with it yeah yeah which is which was terrific i i don't know yeah but both both things are there you can't, again, like, Annabella, if she wants us to watch this movie in one way, she's underestimated all of human nature. So, yeah, yeah. you know, that's, that's fine, you know. I mean, I'm, you know what, there probably is some nice lady somewhere reading a Jordan Peterson book and taking everything out of it that he doesn't want her to take from it. So, hey. Yeah. Good. Good. She'll write a confessional essay in a few years and get 50 bucks for it, so it'll be great, you know. Oh, just, I was just, the the thing about the cleaned up hippies reminded me of The Post, which I don't know if you've watched The Post. I did. It was bad. It was bad. And the, I think the worst thing of all was when they had the protesting hippies who weren't even the hippies from Central Casting. They were the hippies from the bin outside Central Casting because they were so unrealistic, which in a film like The Post, I didn't think was deliberate. I think it was just shoddy. But those hippies reminded me of The Love Witch because it's got this incredibly arch take on what was a on, on that kind of almost earth mother esque aesthetic. And I thought it was done deliberately and brilliantly in The Love Witch, which is that actual hippies have matted hair and smell gross and don't look like that, but if you're playing dress up, they they do. So The Post also had a very sort of
0: problematic view of feminism. I mean when the when the she's you know, uh what's her name? Uh Catherine Graham, Catherine Graham. Um, is going into court and all the hippie girls are like, you know, uh, looking at her with such admiration um, and such awe. I was like, okay, the hippie girls don't give a shit about corporate culture. Um, Catherine Graham inherited her role from her father and her fucking husband. Um, and why are we holding her up as a feminist hero in any sense? But also just a, the, the whole like, the yeah, the the doe-eyed hippie girls being like, Oh, this is my hero. This that was she was definitely
1: not she hippie was girls' heroes. Definitely not their hero. That's not what they were talking around that drum circle. It was about no. Catherine Graham. It's yeah. Essentially it's another it's thing that completely locates female power in the domestic because you know, while she's running a business, literally everything she does, it's all about her looking after her children and having nice dinner parties. And when she goes and gets kind of, you know, key information, she does it in this way by basically going and talking to a friend of hers and, you know, charming him and gossiping away into a confession. It's this all, all of her power is located very much in the domestic sphere. Plus money. That's, that's it. Forever. Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production.